0: What's up, guys, and welcome back to Freeman Sports Pod. I believe this marks episode five, and I know it's been a minute since I recorded. Uh, Episode four was, I believe, sometime in June, so it's been a very long time. And I know I said I planned on recording a lot over the summer and try to do a few times a week or at least once every week. Uh, Obviously, I did end up getting around to that, Um, but I'm definitely going to start trying to do once a week. I'm not necessarily going to say it's going to be the same day every week, but I am going to start to try to get to once a week. And uh, I planned on actually recording episode 5 a few weeks ago. But uh, then a few more free agency moves happened. And then once the Chris Paul trade happened, I was kind of just so devastated and upset that he got stuck in OKC. I didn't really have anything to talk about. And then once the rumors with the Heat came out, I was going to talk about that. But now that those talks have kind of been stalled because of draft picks, and it looks like he's definitely going to start off the season in OKC and probably not get traded until at least either December 15th, and if you guys are wondering why that date, it's because that's when all these players that were just signed over this free agency can then be eligible to be traded, and if not, then he probably won't be traded if he's not traded by then, either the trade deadline, and if still not by then, then probably next off season. which sucks because Chris Paul is now 34. The Thunder, I mean, obviously Adrian Wojnarowski likes to be very optimistic, or at least he has been lately, so he's trying to point out that they have a nice core with some young pieces that could make some sort of a competitive run, but if we're just being completely honest, I think they have a shot at making the playoffs as like maybe an 8 or 7 seed at best, but then you're they're probably just going to get swept or lose in five games anyway, and to be honest, in this stage of Chris Paul's career, not just because he wants a ring, but it's just like, it's his last few years of his career where he's going to be this good, even if it's not necessarily like a team that's at Houston's level of contending, like a team like Miami would have been nice Because especially with how weak the East is now, that's still a team that's getting to at least the conference semis or maybe even a sneak into the conference finals where he can at least make some noise in the playoffs and have a legitimate shot. So obviously that's just very frustrating for him and for me as a fan. And I wanted to see him get bought out, but I knew it was honestly not realistic because for those of you who don't remember, the Thunder actually also had Carmelo Anthony, who's now out of the league at the moment a few years ago and had to trade him. And a lot of people just kind of assumed naturally that he was going to get bought out. But instead, they traded him, and then he got moved around a few times and then eventually was ended up out of the league. And then he was briefly on the Rockets, and then obviously that didn't work out because he was being difficult one to start. And he's just not really meant for this league anymore because he likes to take deep mid-range just short of the three-point line, which is a low percentage shot, and which now with statistics becoming so important, no one ever wants... Shots like that being taken are as little as possible. So now he's back out of the league. And so that's why, I mean, I would have loved to see him end up with the Lakers. A little history fact. Chris Paul actually was supposed to be traded to the Lakers before David Cern rejected it, which would have let him be with Kobe. Probably would have gotten a few rings for sure with that. Um, but so, yeah, but I knew it wasn't realistic. And, I mean, the Lakers had nothing to really trade. And for the people trying to hint that it was because of Rondo that, they wouldn't even, that it wouldn't have worked out, it was simply the fact that Chris Paul wasn't going to get bought out and a trade wasn't possible. Um. So basically, for this episode aside, I'm going to talk a little bit more about Chris Paul later in the episode. But I kind of want to just talk about free agency as a whole. Because this was probably one of the craziest, if not the craziest, NBA free agency in like the past decade. Maybe two decades, maybe more. I mean, a lot happened. So obviously, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving decided to go to the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that they definitely, obviously, I think with Kyrie, they're still a contender, not to win the championship or get to the conference finals. I think there's definitely a team that could be like a four seed with just Kyrie because they were a very good team. They were the sixth seed, I believe, with D'Angelo Russell, and obviously Kyrie's a slight upgrade, which is why I'm saying I think they could be a four seed. I definitely don't see that team without Drankin and past the conference semis, but I don't think Brooklyn really cares. And I think they're just happy that they now have two stars and have a pretty good future. And keep in mind, they still have guys like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen on the team. So I think they definitely have some interesting pieces to keep around with their young core. Now I don't think DeAndre Jordan. I th- I think it was a fine signing. Obviously, I don't think it's gonna hurt them, but I think he should come off the bench simply because he really he literally can't do any sort of shooting. He can't make free throws at all, and because he's getting older and relies heavily on athletic his athletic ability to make his plays. I think he's better off playing less minutes and coming off the bench and letting Jared Allen start because he's gonna have to develop and be your long term option in a few years anyway, and plus that can save DeAndre Jordan, like conserve him some energy and allow him to still make some athletic plays with whatever athletic ability he still has. Um, And then obviously when Durant comes back, I mean, it's going to be interesting because a lot of players don't come back the same way, but Kevin Durant is a very interesting pick. Like there's not a player who's ever really came into the league like Durant because he's like 6'10 or 6'11, which is like a power forward or center but he's really, really skinny, and he's got a really good jump shot and can just shoot over anyone, which is why I don't think the Achilles injury will hurt him too much. The only thing I think it'll hurt him in is obviously running the fast break because he can't be as explosive to, like, run in the open court and catch dunks and even every once in a while some, like, basic lobs. So that's going to hurt. But I don't think that's going to matter too much because that's not any sort of major part of his game. His major part of his game is his three-point shooting, basically just being able to rise up over defenders on jump shots. because he's. But that's mainly from height. Like, he doesn't really have to jump much to get up there. But I still think he won't necessarily return the same at first. But he could return to similar to what he was. I don't think he'll be what he was, though, before the injury because it's just too hard of an injury regardless. But, like, I don't think he'll take as much of a downfall as like DeMarcus Cousins did because he's not, he doesn't have as much weight to have to carry, and he's not a guy like Cousins who has to rely more on stuff that would be affected by this kind of injury. Now, the next thing I want to talk about speaking of DeMarcus Cousins is the Lakers. The Lakers had a very exciting but interesting offseason because they obviously got Anthony Davis, but then there were all these different reports from guys that were clearly unreliable, and I don't know why people believed it, that were saying that that LeBron, uh, what's called? Sorry, Kawhi Leonard was going to the Lakers, and then it seemed like a done deal. And then he, after that, he met with Toronto. Well, actually, he met with Clippers. But then he met with Toronto, and then it seemed like it was pretty much a done deal there. And then the Lakers started to creep back in, and the Clippers weren't even getting talked about. And the one thing I want to address really quickly, though, is a lot of people are talking. We're talking about how like all these people were so dumb, and they didn't even include the Clippers, and people were saying they're out. Well, here's the thing: if you really think about it, the Clippers were out. Like, if the Clippers told Kawhi, we can get you. We tried to talk to OKC, but we couldn't get Paul George. He wouldn't have gone to the Clippers. In my opinion, I think he probably would have just ended up going back to the Raptors. And then it wouldn't have been crazy if he chose the Raptors over the Lakers because a lot of people were saying it was one or the other. So the reason why I think it's wrong to say that people were dumb or crazy to rule the Clippers out and just say they had no chance is because nobody saw the Paul George trade happening. And without that happening, Kawhi isn't going to the Clippers. But I think that team's going to be interesting. But back to finishing up the Lakers, I think the one mistake, they mean, I mean, obviously it sucks because they obviously didn't see that the Warriors were going to end up getting that sign and trade to get D'Angelo Russell. But I still think because they did, I'm pretty. I don't know if the Nets are actually are so nice, but if they did, I definitely think the Lakers should have immediately been like, well, if Kawhi is not really making a decision and things are working out, they should have at least reached out to D'Lo to make it a like look like it was something was happening because then he easily could have just told the told the war, uh, like the Warriors and Nets, and just been like. Look, I'm planning on signing with the Lakers. Like, I don't intend to be – I don't want to be traded there because I'm already committed to signing with the Lakers once you are able to renounce my rights um, and make him an unrestricted free agent. So I think they definitely should have gone at that. The team that definitely got screwed, though, by the Warriors' genius move of getting that signing trade was the Timberwolves because Cat really wanted him. It would have finally helped him and given him a nice, solid piece because Andrew Wiggins is clearly not working out. They have other bad contracts. So I feel definitely bad for them. Um, but the one other thing I want to talk about with the Lakers, besides missing out on Kawhi, is I thought they made some fine free agent signings, but I definitely think they overpaid. Like not to the extent that the Knicks do, do, where they sign every single power forward for some reason on the market, which doesn't make sense when that's arguably the most unimportant position in basketball nowadays. But they definitely made some overpayments. Like I thought, I think Danny Green's a great player. I don't think he's worth 30 million. I think if he got offered 20 million, I think that uh, like two, 10 million a year for two years or even three years or two years with a team option or player option to add on for the third year, I think that would have been a much better contract. And then they had a few other guys that they probably slightly overpaid, but they did make some nice signings. So I will give them credit. I think overall the Lakers had a pretty solid offseason. The other team in L.A. is obviously the Clippers, and I think they had I think they had the best offseason of any team. I mean, the fact that they were able to get Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and secure both of them for at least like two, three years or whatever it is, was unbelievable because that team is already great and made the playoffs, and some people were worried about ruining like the chemistry or just not letting it build up on its own. It does suck that they lose Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but what I like about the team is they kind of always have had that underdog mentality where they have guys like Montessaro, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams who love to work hard and gritty and grind. So I think that that's just going to help build around stars like that because Leonard and Paul George are both defensive guys anyway who just also have really good offensive games. So I think they're going to fit in perfectly. And honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that the 76ers got Josh Richardson, who's a solid defender, and then got Al Horford amongst their other great defenders, and they're going to be so tall, I'd say I think they could be the best defensive team in the NBA, but I think that's going to be the Sixers by far. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers are a close second for the for being one of the best defenses in the NBA. Um, the next team I want to talk about is the Raptors. I mean, honestly... I I would say I feel bad for them, but they got their ring they wanted. And I don't, I mean, obviously it sucks if Squad kind of did them dirty, but at the end of the day, they got their ring. They should just be thankful for what they got. And honestly, with how bad the East is now, obviously they're not going to contend or anything, but they still have Pascal Siakam, who's only getting better. They still have Kyle Lowry. They still have a bunch of solid pieces around them where I think they could definitely be a playoff team. They'll probably be a team that gets out in the first round, but still a playoff team at least. I mean, there were talks that they were just going to blow the thing up if Kawhi left and try to trade Kyle Lowry right away. But obviously, since there wasn't even a hint of trade talks on that, obviously that's not happening. Um, so the next team that I want to talk about is, uh, this hurts to talk about, but is the Rockets. And so obviously they pair, paired up Russell Westbrook now with James Harden reuniting them. And I'm probably going to be told after I'm done recording this from people that I'm, uh, the stuff I'm about to say is all pretty much biased because I'm salty that Chris Paul is gone. But I just don't see how this works. I really don't. Because first off, with Mike D'Antoni's system, you have to be able to shoot. And Westbrook has been known for not being able to shoot the three ball at all. He's atrocious. I'm pretty sure he shoots like 28% or somewhere around their first career from three or some brutal number like that, which is just not going to work. The second problem is neither of them really do much off the ball. Like, when Harden's off the ball, he's just kind of stand still in the corner and and sometimes even just forgets what's going on, or just falls out of what's going on, player gets disoriented because he just... He feels like he needs to have the ball, and Russell Westbrook's like that. Now, Russell Westbrook does like to be able to push the ball and find teammates to get open. I mean, there's a reason why he averaged triple double, but I just don't know how it's working. The other thing that I think is risky about this is yes, Chris Paul has his injury history, which I understand, but he's not a guy who who relies at all on athletic ability to do anything because he's not athletic at all, but that's okay. It doesn't affect him. But Russell Westbrook is getting up there in age, and obviously he hasn't had any bad, like major significant injuries recently, but. If a big injury does happen, that alone can instantly derail them because you have to realize that's what that's everything he relies on. He relies only on athletic ability. Sorry about that, but back to what I was saying. So Russell Westbrook, like I was saying, relies heavily on athletic ability. And obviously, I, you never want someone to get her or anything, but in case something like that did happen, it would instantly derail their whole plan. And I just think sticking with Chris Paul and trying to ride it out would have been the better decision. But I think the reason it happened was not necessarily because of what was best for the team or Mike D'Antoni. I think it was more of Daryl Morey is a guy who likes to be very aggressive. And so after it looked like they were pretty much out of it, I think Harden went to him and was straight up like, look, this didn't work the first two years. I like working with Russell Westbrook. I promise you we can make this work. We are great teammates before. I know we have high usage rates and like to have a lot of isolation or at least just run our teams and be the ball-dominant player. But we can make this work. He's a younger player. He's going to be a better player. Take the chance on it. I really want him, and I don't want to have to worry about any drama or fighting. Take the chance. And then Darren Murray was like, you know what, let's just go for it, and then made the trade. Because if they were being realistic about it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't think my opinion is crazy, biased, just because I've been watching videos on YouTube on ESPN and other shows like that where people, plenty of people have said that they thought this trade was pointless or that even the Thunder won because it just doesn't make sense for them to bring on Westbrook. And the other problem is you have the two guys with two of the highest usage rates in the nba and you're telling me it's gonna work like it, having two mvps is great when the way that they got their mvps in two different ways like if it was a guy like Giannis winning mvp with harden or westbrook it'd be different because Giannis didn't do it by having to have the ball every single possession taking it up dominant i have isolation and having like crazy high usage rate now he was involved in a lot of plays but not in the same way Whereas Westbrook and Harden, even though Harden relies more on doing a dribble move and hitting a crazy deep three or step back, and Westbrook likes to blow by a defender after holding the ball and go to the lane or kick it out, they both always have to have the ball. So I just don't know how it works. And again, D'Antoni likes to rely heavily on shooters. Like, that Rockets roster, in my opinion, on paper, shouldn't have done as well as it did. But it did because they all had the ability to shoot. Like, even though Chris is no crazy three-point shooter, he was solid enough that it didn't matter. And the other thing is... That worries me is defense. Because Harden, I don't care if he has a like, great stats necessarily in defense. He still doesn't work crazy hard or try crazy hard on defense and he can his lapses. And I know Westbrook is crazy athletic. And I might get some controversy. People might think this is kind of controversial, what I'm about to say. But Chris Paul, in my opinion, is a much better defender than Westbrook. And here's why. He's better at one-on-one defending. He's better at getting steals. He has better communication and knows what's going on. And I just think he's just overall a better defender now. I'll, granted, Westbrook is a lot more athletic and can get more blocks, but I think Chris Paul is by far a better perimeter defender than Westbrook. The only thing he w- Westbrook would have over him is in the paint, and with the switching that goes on with Houston's defense, I mean, obviously they could switch up what they're going to do with their defensive game plan, but Paul fits it better. And the other thing is, I think Harden's gonna—I oh, not Harden. Sorry, Westbrook is going to have a hard time adjusting. To this, because it's always kind of been ever since Durant left, he was just the guy. So, whatever would fit him, the system was just built around him to make it work. Versus, this has always been Dantoni's system, and then he kind of polished it to make it work for Harden. And this isn't a system, I mean, it was hard enough for Chris Paul to fit in because he's like a floor general, but at least with a floor general, he likes to pass so he could give it to Harden. Versus, Westbrook more of likes to make crazy athletic plays and then has the defense collapse on him, so then players are open and he kicks it to him. But that's not how D'Antoni's system really works. So I think that's definitely going to be a challenge. The one thing, though, I do want to talk about is there was also a lot of stuff about how Chris Paul might have been, like, a bad teammate or maybe he was the problem, or blah, blah, blah. But there were some things I was reading that I thought were interesting. And I think, honestly, and again, obviously – I'm I'm a huge fan of Chris Paul. He's my favorite player. I'm not going to talk bad about him, so this is going to be part of the reason why. But I definitely think Harden should be taking more blame than he is. And I think, honestly, Harden could be just as much, if not more, of a problem for what happened than Chris Paul. Because people think, oh, well, Chris Paul, you can think of this example or this example where he's a bad teammate. But people forget. Like, look at what happened with Dwight Howard. Him and Harden eventually, st- like, it wasn't working out there, having problems and arguing and having disputes over things. And then Harden was finally like, I don't want Dwight here. And then they just traded Dwight off, and then he was getting shipped off and move around. And that was that. They didn't even, like, like I feel like they kind of think of Harden as a golden goalie. Boy. Not necessarily that, like, he can't do anything wrong, but more of, like, even if he does do stuff wrong or stuff he shouldn't do or they don't agree with certain actions, they're just going to be like, well, you know what? Maybe this or this has to do with it. We're just going to ship off those players to keep Harden happy and trying to make this work. Because, I mean, yes, they were good teammates and stuff, but it was a very different time. Harden was a six-man off the bench. He wasn't anything crazy special. Westbrook was, was like great, but he, he still wasn't even at this level that he is now. And now you're trying to make these two guys work together. I just, I honestly don't see how it works. In my opinion, I don't see the Houston Rockets team getting past the Western semifinals. I really don't. I think even saying that is generous. I think, I mean, I get, no, no, I think they can definitely get past the first time. But I think if they stay healthy, I think they're not getting past the West Semifinals, even with that. The one other thing, though, I want to go back to talking about Chris Paul, and then I'm going to move on to some other teams, and then probably wrap up this episode, because this episode is just going to be kind of on a recap of NBA free agency, and like the offseason and trades, is that I honestly think he could average the highest points of his career. And I know it's going to sound crazy and all that, but he, is, he hasn't really been in a role like this, where he's had to kind of shoulder a team like this since New Orleans. But in those days, since he was more, like, less injury-prone and athletic and, like, was more flashy and it was in a different type of basketball in that day and age, it wasn't as much about scoring as it is now. And now that he's pretty much back to being the guy and he's around guys like Shea Gogas alexander who, like, he's a young piece that's developing, but he's nothing special. You have Danilo Gallinari, like, he can shoot, but that's pretty much it. You have Steven Adams, who doesn't do anything on offense. He's more of the guy who just does all the dirty work. And then you have some other pieces. Like, this is really a year where I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Paul, if he can stay healthy enough, can kind of just show teams what they're missing out on him and that he still is a great point guard, a starting point guard, an all-star point guard, who just is old and has a brutal contract that goes with it, which is what makes it hard for him to be traded anywhere. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up averaging, like, 20, 22 points a game and averages 10 to 12 assists, which I know might sound crazy. But, like, I really do believe it's possible that Chris Paul can end up averaging, like, 20 to 22 points, four or five rebounds, two steals, and like 10 to 12 assists. I'm not saying it'll happen, but I think it's possible. And I think if, it's, if something like that does happen, a team will definitely instantly be like, you know what, we're a contender. We just got to hit the button to go for it and take our chances on him and let it work out and just go for it. And then have the chance to be contenders. Now, the next team I want to talk about is the Boston Celtics. I thought they had a very interesting offseason. We'll just have to see how it goes. I think definitely letting Kyrie walk. I mean, obviously, it's not really like letting. It's not like they really could have done anything about it because he was going to be gone anyway. was a good move because it's not that Kyrie's toxic. He just wasn't meant to be there. I think bringing in a guy like Kemba Walker, who's known for just being a great person, great guy, great teammate, who can deliver and work hard and put up 30 in a game if you need him to, no problem. He's a great guy to bring in, and I'm just happy that it finally gives Kemba Walker a true environment to work in. Now, I'm not saying Charlotte was necessarily a bad environment for him, but it was in terms of him becoming, like, one of the top point guards, like in the Kyrie Irving, Russell Westbrook, uh, I don't even know if I was, i, was, I just say, like, Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, and Steph Curry range. Like, if he even wants that to be possible, he needs to be in a better environment where he can win and where he can actually show that he can do something with his talents and lead a team rather than just do something with his talents and then try to carry a terrible team with an organization that's made a ton of bad decisions and mistakes and just get killed every night. So I definitely think that'll be exciting and something interesting to watch. Um, Another team that I definitely want to talk about is the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. And so what I think is interesting about the Bucks is the fact that they're losing Malcolm Brogdon. I just think it's going to hurt them and here's why. The whole reason why I had a problem with the Bucks actually doing anything in the finals, and that's why my prediction, I had the Raptors getting over with them, is that, uh, that they can't shoot. And the problem is Brogdon's one of their was one of their best shooters, and now he's gone. Like, yes, they still have Middleton, but like, if you look at that lineup, like, Wesley Matthews is a good shooter. I'll give him that. But like, Giannis isn't that good of a shooter. Bledsoe's a bad shooter. Lopez is a decent shooter, but again, like, he's a big man, so it's not really easy to set up a big man for a three. It's more of like if the other big man just doesn't rotate that well or kind of just, like, lets him have it, and then he makes it. And, like, Wesley Matthews is a good shooter, but since he's kind of getting older and has that injury, teams would probably dare him to kind of just, like, try to blow by and drive and then stop him. So, like, the only guy that really they can rely on now is Middleton. And also, the other thing they're missing from losing out on Brogdon is his defensive end, uh, the defensive side that he brings to the table because he's a very good defender, especially on the perimeter. Uh, the next team I want to talk about is Philly. I think, honestly, they might be better off this year than last year. Now, Jimmy Butler brought that great winning mentality, and he was very clutch in the playoffs, which you could see, and he basically carried them down that stretch. But the fact that they have Al Horford is just going to make them so tall and so impossible to get buckets on. The one thing, though, that I think could hamper them is shooting because of Ben Simmons. And more importantly, who's going to be able to be the guy to take that final shot and clutch it up? Because I think Tobias Harris could be that guy, but we haven't seen him be that guy. Ben Simmons can't be that guy because he can't shoot. You can't rely on a big man, so it can't really be Horford or Embiid, to be honest with you, for what you would want to set up in this day and age. If it was 10 years ago or something like that, then you can maybe say Embiid or Horford, but it's not. And, I mean, the one problem that I want to talk about, I know it's kind of off topic, is Ben Simmons frustrates me more than any player in the NBA, and here's why. He was given God give it all this athletic ability and height, and it allows him to be able to do like the stuff he can do with his passing and be so explosive in the fast break set. And Jared Dudley, I think, might have been on to something with the half coupon. The thing that frustrates me, though, is the one thing he wasn't pretty much given to him, wasn't able to naturally pretty much do, was shoot. And he's getting paid all this money in this Max and this big contract for his Max contract in this star, already all star level player. And the one thing that he would need to really be one of the best players in the NBA is a three and he's not willing to put in the work in. And I know some people might think what I'm saying is wrong or that maybe he is and I don't know it, but I just don't believe it. I think he can work harder to get to it, and it frustrates me that he doesn't. Uh, I mean, the Pacers got Brogdon, which was awesome, but it, it's not really going to matter unless Aladipo comes back healthy and performs well. Uh, I mean, I don't know. There's not really much else to talk about in besides Miami for accomplishing and getting Jimmy Butler, which I think was a great move just because it's going to get people to want to come to Miami Heat games and watch. I think that could be a sneaky team because they do have a lot of great young players that are good on defense. I think Tyler Hero has been a stud. I think he could definitely be one of the like the great three-point shooters and will definitely benefit in the way the NBA played now. I want to give a quick shout out to Atlanta because I think they're making a lot of good moves. And obviously, I don't think they'll be there yet. But their young core, I think, definitely will turn into something special. Um... I will talk about the Bulls just because a lot of the people that are probably going to listen to us are Chicago Bulls fans. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't love the offseason. I loved the drafting of Kobe White, but I don't know what the Bulls were doing with Thaddeus. I really know. I thought Sadransky was an okay pickup. Not great, not bad, because he was a pretty cheap price. And it can help because Kobe White might not necessarily be ready. It does signal the end of the Chris Dunn era, most likely. So I wonder if they'll end up trading him around December 15th or maybe on the trade deadline when more players can be traded. And I just, I don't get the Thaddeus Young signing. That frustrated me a lot. We already have Laurie Marketing. We have Wendell Carter Jr. Like, wh- where is he inside? It's like the Bobby Portis problem all over again. We're like, they don't space for him. except they're paying him more than they would have with Bobby Portis. And there were other positions that they needed. Like, I would have rather seen them get a wing that maybe could have come off the bench and eventually maybe be a young guy that could take over like a Cali Ubre Jr., in my opinion, because of the fact that they're not going to want to keep Otto Portis' big contract later on. So I thought that would have been a nice signing for them, but... Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, For the New York Knicks, I just want to laugh at them. So now heading to the Western Conference for anyone else. I mean, Denver, I think that they're in good shape. It would have been really cool. I saw rumors of a trade for Chris Paul to go there. I thought that would have been an awesome fit. I think him and Nikola Jokic would have just been really cool to watch. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Shout-out to Utah for becoming, like, bold and aggressive and basically instantly turning themselves into decent contenders. Again, I don't see them getting past the – conference semifinals because of how hard the west is i think if they're in the east it'd easily be a conference finals maybe even a finals contender but they're not same with portland i thought they made a lot of great moves and getting nazi little was huge um i think sacramento could maybe sneak into the playoffs and the last team i want or two teams i want to talk about is actually three is memphis first off memphis because they haven't made any flash moves, but they've actually gotten a lot of solid assets. They got a guy in Josh Jackson, who I think isn't anything, but for what considering they gave up literally nothing for him. Could end up being sneaky, good for them. I also want to talk about Dallas, and I think that they could be an interesting. I don't think they're a playoff team, but it'll be fun to see with Porzingis finally healthy with Luka Doncic, how that team goes. I saw a rumor of Chris Ball at the time maybe going there. I don't see it happening, but who knows? Maybe the Mavericks play well with those two, and then Mark Cuban's a very aggressive guy, so maybe he decides let's just go for Chris Paul and take a chance. And the last team I want to talk about before I wrap this up is the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, they had an unbelievable offseason. They made a lot of great draft picks and decisions, and I think this team could be something special. And I think the fact that J.J. Redick chose to sign there means something, because he's getting towards the tail end of his career, and he wouldn't just go to a team like that if he thought that there was nothing up. Now, I don't think there'll be anything special necessarily this year. I think they're a team... It's definitely going to be like ninth or 10th in the West, maybe 8th or 7th the best and get out in the first round. But still, that's pretty good from what they looked like they would be at once they were going to trade Anthony Davis initially. And I definitely think David Griffith or whatever his name is, is making some great moves. I think he's has a little too optimistic, but that's okay. And I definitely think they could eventually make some noise. And One thing I do note, though, is I have saw a lot of videos about Zion Williamson. Being too overweight needs to get in shape, but I I believe that he can obviously get in shape in time. I mean, Alvin Gentry will push him too, and I know Zion's been a, uh, a great kid on and off the court, and I think he'll put in the work to get himself into the shape he needs to be. And there were noted things about that in high school when he had an injury and he gained weight, which actually was part of the reason why apparently he didn't have as much hype. But I don't think it'll honestly affect him, and I think he'll end up being perfectly fine. Um... As of now, he's my pick for rookie okay of the year, but I wouldn't be. I don't think RJ can do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ja will do it. The only thing that makes me hesitant is a lot of times there's a lot of growing pain and point guards adjusting to the league for the NBA level. And he did have problems with turnovers, which might be tough. And other than March, man, is competition. So it's going to be a big step up. But yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for episode five. I know this was a longer one. I think this is like 25 minutes or something. So I'm sorry. I know this was really long, but I just had a lot to catch up on. Oh, one other last thing I just want to point out. It's kind of interesting that Chris Paul is playing in OKC kind of full circle because for those of you who didn't know, when he was first in the NBA for his first I think, season or two because of Hurricane Katrina, they had to play at Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. So they were actually, actually the Oklahoma City Hornets, and then they had a NOLA for New Orleans patch on their jersey. So he played there, so I think that's kind of interesting. But to me, I'm so upset about it. I don't even care about the full circle. I just thought it would be something cool to point out. But so, yeah, please leave a like on this. Comment if you'd like. You can DM me on Instagram, Snapchat me, text me, call me, FaceTime me, whatever you want to do to let me know if you have any suggestions on what I can prove, change, add. If there's something you want me to cover in a future episode, please let me know. I'm going to try to, up to upload another one next week or if some other crazy news happens in a sport soon. Um, there's definitely a thing in the NFL I want to talk about that I might mention in a different episode. But this episode has been so long, I just don't think like I'm going to have time to talk about it. Um, so I definitely am going to want to cover that. And I'm not going to say what it is because I want to surprise you guys because it's kind of crazy that it's even coming up again. It's nothing major, but to me, it's just kind of interesting. And uh, so, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you guys so much. And, uh, see ya.